Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hardwood Nation podcast. So, Bryce, this is actually the first episode of season four. I was wrong last week. This isn't the last episode of season three, the first episode of season four. What's going on, my man? Oh, not much. Just uh, glad to be here as always, and I'm not completely sure I know what you're talking about. It's fine. Just know this is the first episode of season four. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So, your magic <laughs> turned some heads Thursday night <laughs> when everyone had all the reports wrong when they selected Paolo Mentero with the first pick in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. I'm going <clears> to <throat> give the stage to you. <laughs> you got it, my man. So, um, you're like us. We really don't watch college ball until it's time to know about the prospects because of the NBA. We just don't watch college. So we don't learn much about these players until, you know, around finals time, until the combines start going on, until it's like really close. You see who's going to have the first uh, like three picks, five picks, whatever. And then you start really looking at the prospects. That's what a lot of people do. Not everybody. So <clears throat> You know, a lot of these guys had opinions of these players uh, for the whole season or a few seasons. You know, they watch them as young as you you can watch them. So um, the hype was always around Jabari and Chet for the most part. And then people, a few people talking about Paolo, you know, here and there. But then the odds started shooting up at the end, especially uh, in, uh, I guess, um, the betting odds specifically at like – booking agencies and things that take bets like the odds on Paolo started shooting up the day or two before and um he just uh seemed to come out of nowhere for people that didn't know or doesn't keep that don't keep up with the prospects so actually real quick what I'd like to do is based on your reaction without seeing anything you just assumed like some of the media and some of the fans that the magic made the wrong choice or you were just surprised by the curveball because all the rumors were saying Jabari, right? And some were saying Chet, but very few, if none, were saying Paolo. Okay, he didn't even have a workout with him. I, I was. What was your hold on, hold on, hold on. What was your reaction compared to before you knew anything about him or saw him play, and how you were clowning the Magic, even though you like to see us, you like to see us succeed, but then it's more fun for you when we fuck up. So. Based on your reaction before you saw him to compared to after you saw the tape I sent you, how wrong were you and how do you see the pick now that you've actually seen like a 10-minute clip of the guy? It's like a 13-minute clip. No, I, I was absolutely wrong and, and I, I was shocked, um, as was everyone, because I had saw where <clears throat> Apollo didn't grant them a workout, things of that nature. Like, from what I heard, he didn't even want to talk to him. Like, that's just that's just what I heard. So I was I like my mouth was on the floor when they announced him as the first pick. Now, I did see those odds that you spoke of. Now, I did think it was weird, but I was like, OK, because my message for the last month about this has been consistent. I would go with the most <clears throat> NBA ready player. I only yeah. watched Chet. I only watched Jabari. Between those two, Jabari was the most NBA player ready. NBA NBA ready player. That's who I would go with. I never paid attention to <clears throat> Apollo. Now, my brother-in-law did tell me 
couple of months ago at my son's graduation. He was like, the Magic needs to need to draft Paolo. And I was like, sure, I just blew him off. He was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was right. Um, I watched video clips of the kid yesterday that you sent to me, and I, I was floored. Not so much by his mid-range shot, but I was floored by his footwork. I was floored by his back-to-the-back game and also his spin move, which was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I also love the fact that, one, they don't know how tall he is. He could be 6'10", he could be 6'11". He has a quick drop step, and he's 250. <laughs> An agile a- 250, though. He doesn't yes. look heavy. It looks, it looks yes. like fitting on him. Yes, I'm an old school guy. That's the type of player I like. Any any player who can play back to the basket in today's game, any player who has a mid-range jumper in today's game, I'm a fan of. So <clears throat> my fault, my bad, Magic Nation. I can admit when I'm wrong. Um, I would have absolutely picked him had I known <laughs> more mm. about him. I, I am happy with the pick for you guys. I, I, I'm still a bit confused because I'm like, okay, he can play three, four. He can play four and five, definitely. <clears throat> he could probably play a little three. So I still don't know where he's going to fit with the current makeup of your team. But you, th- that was a pick you had to take. You can't miss it. I think, I think what happened was, and not to be too long-winded here, this was a sneak attack, but it was a good sneak attack because his agent is actually Orlando Magic great Mike Miller. So I think mm. it was some back-end communications that no one else knew about via Mike Miller to get this done. And kudos to him because no, the Magic are already tight-lipped, don't get me wrong, but no one knew this was going to happen. <laughs> mm. So kudos to Mike Miller because there were, there were some back some back-end conversations being had that no one knew about. So, <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah. I was curious because um, I was just – I told you before the draft I was I was more interested in just <clears throat> how the Magic come, in, come into the season after this um, finally healthy with mm-hmm. who we think we're actually going to have next year. I know – Suggs had a surgery, but um, and he's going to miss summerly. But uh, they're saying he should be ready to go for the season. And if not, yeah. we're we're kind of already deep, and he's a second year young guy. Young guy, he he'll be back fairly quickly. So, <clears throat> I I was less worried about who we were going to draft. I just knew at number one, you have to make sure it's a plus to your team. Like you can't miss so badly that it's a bust. But mm-hmm. I was less worried about like the next generational talent compared to like, I think we can already start trending towards winning more now without anything new, just continuity and the team being healthy. So everything was going to be a plus. I just didn't want to bust. And I just didn't know anything about the Palo kid. I didn't need, I didn't know I needed to know anything yet. So when I watched it, um, I was like, for all the reasons, really, that you thought we should pick Jabari were just helping us now. Like, he, he has an NBA-ready game with a high ceiling um, compared to Chet, who's more of a project, uh, with possibly a high ceiling as well if he stays healthy and things. You just thought the right pick was Jabari. But I knew as soon as I was I uh, started watching, like, the Paolo clips, I was like, I, I think Cameron's going to change his mind. Just based on like what I know that 
how you look at some players and things. So as soon as I sent it to you, when you, you finally texted me back, you're like, okay, I was wrong. I was like, that's the, that's the reaction. That's the reaction I wanted because that's how I felt. I was yeah. like, as soon as I watched it, I was like, they're fine. This, this is, I'd like this pick. Um, and he arguably is the most talented now and has just as high of a ceiling and possibly could be the healthiest of them all just because he already has the NBA body. Jabari, I think, will be fine, um, but he's still skinny at 6'10". He's still pretty skinny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was I was really happy with it. Um, I think, honestly, he they could have picked any of those three guys, and I don't think I would have been super disappointed. But after seeing more of him, um, I'm happy with this pick. I'm very happy with it. So no complaints here. I'm ready for Summer League and for the season to start. Oh, yeah, Summer League is going to be great, and I'm definitely going to be paying attention to it. Um, I, I do want to say one thing, because we're going to jump into our next topic here. You know, we're still going to talk about Chet and Jabari. There was a campaign by Chet's camp not to be drafted by Orlando, and I don't know if I necessarily mm-hmm. agree with that. But like me, you talked offline. I believe he probably wanted to be uh, closer closer to home since he's from the uh, the Midwest. Um but anytime you have a chance to potentially be the first pick, I think you need to go for it. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but good riddance because I, I've i been wrong a few times, but I'm just going to say this. I don't think that Chet's going to be the player that people think he's going to be. Um, now, Jabari in Houston. Houston was a fun team to watch last year. They didn't have a lot of wins. But with that backcourt of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., now you're adding Jabari. Um, they have a young big three Mm -hmm. (laughs) last year was their developmental year. I think this year they have another developmental year getting Jabari, um, incorporated into the team. He is a second generation NBA player. His dad played for Houston briefly in the eighties. Um, I believe him going to Houston will be more impactful than Chet actually going to OKC. I also like what OKC is doing. But I think Houston has more athletic guys, um, more, what's the word, splashy guys. OKC has the fundamentals down. But Houston's going to have those young dogs. (laughs) So I'm going to watch a lot of both of those teams. But you couldn't go wrong with the top three. You You couldn't go wrong with it. And I think each player went to where they fit the best. Chet never fit in Orlando to me. He fits in OKC. I think Jabari could have fit in Orlando and actually Houston. So I'm happy that he fell to Houston. So this draft looks like just on surface level, it looks like fundamentals are slowly coming back into the game. And I I mentioned this to you in text message. There are a few of these players who are sons of WNBA players. And one thing about the WNBA players are, they're actually more fundamentally sound than NBA players. So I think seeing that some of these sons are now getting into the league from some of these women, they're going to have their fundamentals down because no sexist remarks. The women aren't as powerful. They aren't as athletic as NBA players. So they have to rely on fundamental basketball and actually better shooting than NBA players. So I think that's going to be a huge advantage for their sons coming into the league. Even Paulo. His mom played in WNBA. So <laughs> there's some like you you should have mm-hmm. saw the huge smile on my face when I saw those highlights. 
I don't give a fuck about defense right now. He's a rookie, but just seeing his his poise on the floor just gave me a huge mm-hmm. smile. I was like, oh my. <laughs> you can you can give him the ball and he he can get you a bucket. Yes. And with yes. with his size and footwork and his mid-range game, you, you can if he's on the court and you know he he keeps his poise as who he is as a player, like coming from Duke and stuff, I believe that he can do that. Like he's not shying away from his talent or what he could be he's embracing it you know if you have a guy like that you you can dump the ball to him you're like get me a get me a bucket and uh every team really needs something like that and I'm not saying that we don't have guys on our team that could like potentially prove that they could consistently do that all the time but to have more options and to have a guy like this come in as a rookie at like 19 or however young he is um I, I I just I'm really excited about it it adds a, a part to our team that we need that every team could use. So, yeah. Look, here's here's another thing that <laughs> kind of piqued my interest for a split second. Okay, before the draft, they started releasing the the players in their suits and stuff like that. Generally, and I don't know if this is coincidence or what, but generally speaking, the flashiest suit is always worn by the first pick. Just generally speaking, right? So when I saw Apollo's purple suit i was like hmm <laughs> for a brief just for a brief moment i was like he has the flashiest suit but i still didn't think the magic was gonna pick him number one i was just like okay this kid's probably gonna go third but he has the flashiest suit this is weird right mm-hmm. but because i do i had no idea i i had no inkling no anything thought he was never even considered to be number one and then the magic pulled this curveball mm-hmm. But a good curveball. So, we're going to move to our next topic. We got to talk about it. It's going to be the talk of the town for the summer. What the fuck is going on with Kyrie Irving? I never know what's going on with Kyrie. I don't know. (laughs) This, this This is always like my thing with Kyrie. It's never a knock on him as a player. It's like, can we just get... Like some normalcy. Can you just come in and be our point guard for like three or four years with no drama and just play basketball and play playoff basketball for us? Okay. That I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna judge him. It's someone negotiating to make their money. I I just as a fan as a fan, I'm just that's what I wish we could get is I wish we could see him play. So, as someone who's unbiased in this situation in terms of, like, being a Kyrie or Brooklyn fan, I just think it's it's funny that they're in this situation because they've kind of bred this environment. They both, yes. like, this is the playground you've decided to play in. There's no loyalty. There's no, like, consistency. It's, are you in charge or am I in charge? Well, now that you're in charge... Um, I still want to get paid max, even though I'm not performing. Like I, I don't, I don't know. But you're talented, so you you think you you're gonna want your money. So I think I think it might just come down to how stern Kevin Durant is with Brooklyn on what he wants to do. If they're like, "Hey, what do you want to do?" and he's like, "No." 
And they're like, okay, we're just gonna get really, we're just gonna let Kyrie walk. He's like, all right. And they're like, are you gonna leave? He's like, I don't know, maybe. And they, then they do it, and he's like, I'm leaving. And they're like, okay, I, I don't know. And they're both so wishy washy. Who knows? I know Dame uh, yesterday was like posting pictures, recruit, trying to recruit Kevin Durant pretty quickly. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think Dame's content with just going down with the ship at this point. Uh, he he's going to be there and he's going to go down with that ship. Well, um, I think Kyrie ends up leaving, and I think a domino effect probably happens if Brooklyn can't bring in or guarantee Durant something like almost immediate, and then they're just going to have Ben Simmons. Here, here, here's the list right now, and, and ironically, I saw yesterday where Ben Simmons says he feels like he can be the cornerstone of a team. So this is like, great. Okay, whatever. All right. So he, 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 here's the list. So we're going to start with the Nets because the Nets are on his list, of course. He wants to stay there and have all the power. Then you have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, of course, which was supposed to be the team they were supposed to go to, the Mavericks, which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> And then, of course, the Miami Heat, okay? Um, the Heat's always involved some kind of way, right? As you always like to say. Dallas makes no sense. Luka doesn't even pass to the teammates he has now. He's not going to pass the ball to Kyrie Irving. It's not going to happen. He's not going to share the backcourt with Kyrie Irving, okay? He passes Clippers. to someone. He, he almost averages a triple-double. So he does. He it. does. Just, it's the Kobe, it's the Kobe knock. It's like, yeah, he passes. It's fine. I, I, I'm saying the same thing that people said about Westbrook. Luca, Luca knows I love him. Um, the Clippers, they don't need them. They just need to get healthy with what they have. They haven't been healthy in two years. They're fine. They don't need Kyrie The Lakers, it's just a desperation thing. They just want anybody they can get. LeBron's like, come save me, okay? The 76ers. <laughs> Can you imagine Joel and B trying to pull up with Kyrie Irving? <laughs> and then, like, do we James think that, what? Yeah, do we think well well James Harden would probably have to be included in the deal, so then he would be right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Miami. You're not getting Jimmy. You're not getting Bam. So if you want to take Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, maybe, but Brooklyn's not going to go for that. And can you mm-hmm. imagine Eric Spolster dealing with Kyrie Irving? Absolutely not. Um, I think he's a megalomaniac. I I, I think he is very uh, not conscious of how other people and other teams perceive him at this point in his career. And we're going to touch on that with Kevin Durant next. Um but like Kevin Durant, he has a Messiah complex. And I don't think it's good for the game of basketball at this point. You know, you, you can be a highly intellectual individual. You can have your beliefs. But when it comes to basketball, you're still one of the guys. We know you're in Brooklyn where you have just a little bit of power. But at the end of the day, you're still one of the guys. And I just think that he has ruined his reputation by his eccentric ways, um, by him not showing up, missing half seasons, things of this nature, be it his fault or not his fault sometimes. I will say that. I'll throw him that bone. Um, I just think his stock isn't as high. I don't think the league sees him as high as he sees himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Because none of these teams absolutely make sense. None of them make sense. Um, he had a shot, his best shot in Boston, and he ruined it. And we pretty much saw basically that same team mature and go to the <laughs> NBA Finals, okay? So he had a shot to be the guy there. Um, I think Brooklyn's going to call this bluff. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, I think at most he would sign a one or a two year extension, but they're not going to give him the full max, which is what he's upset about. So I don't think Mm -hmm. he walks this year. I think he might walk next year. That's just, that's just what I think, but he's going to go to a team who needs to put asses in seats, not necessarily a contender, because I don't think a contender would allow him to disrupt their flow. I, I, dude, if he was to come to Miami, he would be absolutely miserable because <laughs> he couldn't do none of the shit that he's doing now. It would be like when LeBron first got there. He was miserable his first mm-hmm. year. Um, Kyrie Irving would be absolutely miserable. Of all the teams I mentioned, even though none of them make sense, the one that makes the most sense in the clusterfuck is actually the Lakers because they're just so desperate. <laughs> the Knicks don't even make sense. The Lakers make more sense than the Knicks. But I don't know. What wh- Which team do you think he best fits with? Um. Well, I guess if you have to do like a trade or – you know, move a piece for a piece. Uh, it's probably L.A. The I mean, Lakers. Sorry, not Clippers. Right, not the Clippers. Yeah. Um, I don't think like Kawhi and Paul. I don't know. That's a weird situation to begin with. Um, I think LeBron's asking for help or looking for it, and they have a piece that they can trade for. And I think Kyrie. Is already used to the big markets, of course, and then he already knows what it's like to play with LeBron. So maybe he's just like, whatever. I don't know. I don't know if there's a good fit because, like you said, it's like he sees himself one way, which, you know, you have to. And then the league, there, you can only do these things so many times before the league catches up with, like, that's just who you, this is what we're going to get from you. So your value drops. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he lands in Miami for the sake of disarray and, hilarious like just seeing a funny situation because him and jimmy butler just i puts a smile on my face who knows they can like get along great like i but i would like to see the opportunity for it to be a disaster and uh, the knicks would also be funny because that's just like a spit in the face of brooklyn (laughs) and then pretty sure pretty sure they would get rid of thibodeau or something i don't know they They would have to I don't think I don't think there's a lot of good situations for him throughout the league. The Sixers, yeah. I think I don't know. I don't know, man. It's I just it's funny. He's just like how many teams how many teams is it, is this gonna happen to? Um Right. Right. I mean who knows? Who knows? Um he's talented, so someone's gonna pay him something somewhere. Well, that that's where the the clusterfuck of the Knicks come in at because they're they're silly enough they, to do it. They they've they've kind of rebuilt the team on the fly. They have to make a decision on Randall, you know, because yeah, they they, they signed him a, a a year ago, but they have to make a decision because he clearly wasn't happy this last year. And they have a bunch of young guys on that team. Do you disrupt that by bringing in Kyrie Irving? This is like what's going on. Um, 
I, and then the Lakers, they're just so desperate. Like, one thing about Westbrook is, you know he's going to be there every game. You know he's going to give it his all every game. Will you get five or six turnovers? Yes, this is well documented, but that's kind of like Shaq in his free throw shooting. He's going to get you 50 to 60%, and that's it. So you take the good with the bad. So do you go with 82 games of Westbrook, or do you go with, like, 30 games of Kyrie? <laughs> if you're LeBron, you have to ask your – because you're already dealing with maybe 40 games of Anthony Davis. So you have yeah. to ask – let, let's just be real. We, we're going to keep it real here. You never know how much Anthony Davis is going to play. You never know how much Kyrie Irving is going to play. Is LeBron James going to deal with that? I don't think he is. He's getting older, so even he's coming out of games more. Um, right. And with the West being the way it is, you um, you might just not make the playoffs again. You can't mess right. around with that. Right. So, so, yeah, LeBron just needs to leave. Yeah. That might be for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Going to have to save something to talk about. <laughs> There's rumblings. That might be for next week's episode. So I read you I read you a quote earlier from uh, Kevin Durant where he mm-hmm. effectively in the second time in like four months called himself a god. I don't know how I feel about Kevin Durant continually calling himself a god. Like I, I just I and, and it goes with what we just talked about with Kyrie Irving, is like their opinions of themselves are higher than they should be. Now this is coming from a guy who has a big ego. You have a big ego because you you're you're highly intellectual. But calling yourself God two times in a four-month period, I, I, I don't understand it. He seems to be a little butthurt because he was responding to Charles Barkley saying that the Golden State Warriors didn't need him. There's a lot of truth there. So it's really a lot of truth there. Um, so collectively, between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who are currently teammates, we don't know for how much longer, do you think their egos are just – it's okay to have a big ego, but do you think both their egos are just a bit overinflated at this point? I mean, from our perspective, like how I feel as a human, like how I judge these things, absolutely. But like okay. maybe Kevin Durant has a really low floor for what he considers gods. Like maybe maybe he like goes and gets his coffee and he's like, thanks, God. Like to the cashier or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But um, I do have, like, a problem with him bringing up, like, accolades of, like, what he was before um, Before Golden Golden State. State Because, but then again, we have to talk about perspective. Because we're judging it based on, could you, like, take and lead your team to a championship? Maybe his whole goal or whatever was, like, I want to win MVP. So maybe when he accomplished that, he, he, you know, ascended to godhood. I don't know. But all I know is, like, you got beat went trying to win a championship by LeBron. And then you got beat trying to get back by the team that did win the championship in Golden State. And then you went and joined the team that beat you. You win a cha- You win two championships. You leave and do nothing else. And you want to acknowledge the time before you won the championships, where you won nothing, 
and you couldn't do it by yourself, even though you had Westbrook and James Harden, like, what? I don't even know what he's talking about. And that's the problem with, like, Durant and, like, how he sees things, I guess. it's. Um, I think he's got a really, like, nice inner circle that he pays well that just pump him up <laughs> because he's got, like, a, this this weird – this weird world that he lives in and good for him. Uh, I mean, it, he is who he is and how he sees things is how he's going to see things. So there's, there's nobody that's going to change his mind, but like from our perspective and like how we see the situation, it's, it's like a gross overestimation of who you are. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't see it when he, when he says these things, I, I can't relate to how he sees himself because in my eyes um he's accomplished some things and he's super talented but if if you're claiming to be a god then what are some of these other true winners what are the what are they if you consider yourself this because um i don't think anybody else really does not a god like it's kind of i mean it's all over inflation anyways but it's just like it's kind of a joke it's just a joke He's become a joke at this point, almost, in terms of how he deals with uh, the media and his social media presence. It's to me, it's just all a big joke. It's a show, whatever. Mm-hmm. The only time I've heard <clears throat> an NBA player in reference to God was <laughs> young Michael Jordan in 1986 dropped a 63-piece on the Boston Celtics. Okay, and Larry Bird said, "We just saw God on the basketball court." <laughs> Because 63 points in the 80s and 90s is, is ridiculous, all right? That's the only oh, time and also, as the best scorer of all time, or one of the greatest scorers of all time, not to cut you off, what's, like, Kevin Durant's highest scoring game? In the playoffs? Uh, of all time. I think he said I think he said a 50-piece before. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, so that, that was the only time I've heard – um, someone mentioned God mm. in reference to an NBA player was with when Larry Bird, a goat, said that about an up and coming mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. You know, Larry Bird was a champion at that time. Michael wasn't. Michael was actually uh, six years from a championship. Kevin Durant's uh, high is fifty five in the game. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think this back and forth that he's been having with Charles Barkley because it, it even goes back to this bus rider, bus driver comment. Okay. Let's let's mm-hmm. dig deep into this. Kevin Durant feels like he can shit on Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley never won a championship. Let me be clear when I say this. I am a fan of Charles Barkley, have always been a fan of Charles Barkley. Do I agree with everything that Barkley says? No. Barkley is right in this, and here's why. Barkley had a chance to play with the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen before they got Dennis Rodman. He declined the trade. Had he done that, he would have won two to three championships. That move would have been similar to the move that Kevin Durant made when he decided to go to an already complete championship team. So without Golden State, all Kevin Durant has is an MVP. He did leave his team to the finals, but like you said, he was shitted on by LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Charles Barkley has an MVP, led his team to the championship round against Michael Jordan. He failed. But he averaged damn near 40 points and fell, and then Michael averaged 45. Those guys went at it in that finals. Mm -hmm. So 
based on that alone, if you take Golden State out of the equation where Kevin Durant made a decision to go when Charles Barkley said no to his decision, a team who had beat him, by the way, Barkley said no, where Kevin Durant said yes. The totality of their career as far as hardware is identical. So I don't know why Kevin Durant has this high horse where he thinks he can shit on Charles, because I'm going to be completely honest with you. Those two championships he has in Golden State, even though he kind of shitted on LeBron, means absolutely nothing to me because he didn't leave his team there. So Charles was right in saying he was the bus rider and not the bus driver. Charles is right in that. And I think Kevin Durant kind of gets off. I think that's where some of his ego comes from. Yes, you won an MVP primarily because the media felt sorry for you because you were the good guy in OKC when they pitted you against Russell Westbrook. And then look what happened when you won it. Your attitude completely changed. I have been on the record as far as calling LeBron James a false prophet on this show. You know who else is a false prophet? Kevin Durant. And it's almost as more disgusting as LeBron James's is. Because at least in terms of basketball, LeBron has been consistent with his attitude throughout the duration of his career and has been a great teammate teammate to everyone except for Kyrie Irving, who can't get along with anyone, right? Let's just, let's, Kyrie Irving's the only one who had a problem playing with LeBron James. Kevin Durant's attitude pivoted once he won that MVP, and then he showed his true colors. So fuck him. <laughs> I'm with you on this. He needs to shut up and play basketball. I'll say it again. He needs, and let me add this. He needs to shut the fuck up and play basketball and lead his next team to a championship. And then maybe people will take him serious. Because as you just said, he's a fucking joke at this point. I'm done with that. Oh, wow. I'm so, done. So final. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I agree. So, you know, no pushback there. I mean, but I think that's how a lot of people feel about him at this point. So. Can't come at Charles Barkley, man. Char- come on. You can't keep doing that, man. You know, Charles doesn't give a shit. That's why Charles really doesn't fire back. I give a shit. I'm going to fire back for the for the five people that watch. All right. <laughs> so a lot of us were a bit confused <laughs> with the Knicks. <laughs> All draft night. So let, 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 let me clear this up a little bit because what the Knicks did was mortgage this year for next year. So let me explain. They gained a 2023 draft pick in the first round, a second 2023 pick in the first round, and then a first round 2025 pick and also clear $18 million in cap space for this summer. So that's why the Knicks made the moves that they made. Now, Jalen Bronson, who played alongside Aluka for the second half of the season, is going to be a free agent. That's who the Knicks are targeting. He's a second-generation player. Uh, His dad, I know, played for Chicago and Portland. The Knicks just hired his dad as an assistant coach. They're going to target Jalen Bronson with some of that 18 mil that they just cleared up. So that's why the Knicks made those moves on draft night. We knew last year they didn't believe in Kemba, so they finally moved Kemba to Detroit. Detroit's going to cut Kemba. Kemba's going to be a free agent. Kemba Walker showed us that he still has some game left in a few games he did play in New York in the second half of the season. 
What would you do with Kimber Walker knowing he's a free agent? What team do you think he could fit on greatly? Because there's one that he used to play for that's popping up in my mind right now. And they need a point guard. <laughs> you need a, a young point guard in Miami that's not Kyle Lowry because he's obviously not, you know, the young guy that you need him to be well, anymore. Now I'm going to cut you off. We're not doing that. This isn't about Miami. <laughs> We're not doing that. I just, if I throw out the idea, I save you from having to throw it out because you, whenever someone decent comes up, you're like, oh, he. No, I don't want Kimber Walker. Um, um, honestly, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, off the top of my head, who needs a point guard? Like, it's um, right in your face, Bryce. It's right in your face. Come on. He used to play there. He used to play in a lot of places. I am speaking of the defending, and it hurts me to say this, the defending Eastern Conference champion, Boston Celtics. He, oh, okay, okay. I just think it's so crazy for... Boston to pick up a point guard when Smart is the heart and soul of that team. Because that's a problem. Back. He can go back to the bench. The, the Celtics. I, if, if they don't have to get rid of Smart, then I like it there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll say that. It's been said that the Celtics feel like they need a traditional point guard again. Kemba, at this stage of his career, can be that. He can be that. They don't need him to score 20 points a game. They don't need him. They just need him to be a facilitator. And, and, while, and while you're playing, I don't think Kyle Lowry would leave Miami, but Kyle Lowry did have an impact on the games he played in Miami in the regular season. That's the type of point guard they need in Boston as well. So um, I could see him landing back in Boston, but in a different role than what he was previously. Um, I could see him end up in Dallas, kind of mentor Luka. I could see him end up in Milwaukee as well. But I, I, I really like Boston because I, I don't think they gave him a fair shake in Boston. They were expecting him to be Kyrie Irving, and he wasn't that. Um, but I think – look at how Al Horford just came back this year, how mm-hmm. fucking fantastic <laughs> Al Horford was, right? I think Kemba could be something like that too because they they just need one more, one more mm-hmm. thing to push him over the top. And I, I think Kemba could do that. Because um, he was too good. He wasn't a great player, but he was too good of a player to be in limbo um, like he is now. And it's a shame that it didn't work in New York. Um, but I think Boston would be a very, very, very good destination for Kimball Walker. <laughs> I would say Orlando, but you guys are good. Not yet. Yeah, we don't need that yet. I think I think you could use a veteran point guard, though. I mean. Dude, Michael Carter Williams didn't play for you guys all season. Let's let's let's, let's be real. Y'all need to move on from him. <laughs> move on from him and get a vet a veteran point guard in there uh, to help out those young guys. So who knows? Who knows? Anything else this week, Bryce? No, no, I'm tapped out. He got me on the Durant Kyrie stuff. <laughs> That's gonna be it, ladies and gentlemen, for this week's episode of the Hardwood Nation podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share our content on YouTube. Follow Mm. us on Twitter. Comment on all our videos. We always respond back. And you guys stay safe.